most Shopify stores, most of them have less than 2% making a purchase when they visit. So 98% of people ain't doing nothing. So that means that they're not ready for it. And you need a way that you can communicate with them consistently. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, White Magnum, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. Today's show is another Noah's Ark episode where we chat with people just like you, the audience, about your businesses, and in real time, give things for them to go do, and we find out the results together. In today's episode, I talked to Matt of Raw's Kitchen. It is a Rastafarian cooking YouTube channel and creatively is doing everything right. By the way, Matt is a white dude from Canada, not from Jamaica at all, but he partnered with Roz to showcase this guy's amazing food on the show. Matt is one of my favorite types of people where he's making money even though he's doing nearly every mistake a creative person does in operating a business. I know you and him are going to get a lot out of this episode and implement a lot into your business today. If you ever want to learn about monetizing your content and your brand, you'll really love this episode. In this conversation, you'll enjoy three big things. One, how to connect with 98% of your audience that chooses to not buy. Two, why the simple subscribe button can make the difference. And three, exact things to set up to earn money while you sleep. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ways that Matt is going to use to make more money for his business and keep his life easier along the way. Enjoy. Before we jump into the conversation, let me know if you or a friend run a Shopify store. I had a bunch of you guys email me last time. I'm excited for you guys to be early testers in our new product. It's this new thing for email marketing on Shopify. Most people are seeing double their email marketing revenue. Before we jump into the conversation, let me know if you or a friend run a Shopify store. We built something brand new at Sumo Group that is doubling people's email marketing revenue. Email me, shopify at okdork.com, if you want to be one of our early beta testers on this brand new product. That's shopify at okdork.com. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listeners Stephanie and Mel of Tel Aviv. They're identical twins. And they hooked me up with Office Space when I was there a few weeks ago. They showed me the chair that they listened to this podcast show in. That was really cool. Thanks for your help. I love every one of you guys who listens. If you want to shout out in a future episode, either let me work out of your office or do it easily. Leave an iTunes review. I check every single one. First off, the biggest thing that comes to my mind, are you Canadian? Absolutely. Dude. You know, I will tell you, I had a weird experience one time in my life where I met a Canadian that was rude, but that was probably an anomaly. Because I've never met a Canadian I didn't like. Oh, that's cool. Dude, we were at an all-inclusive resort in Mexico, and there's this group of like rude Canadians. I was like, you guys must have originally been Americans. <laughs> it does happen. There's definitely rude ones here, but it's a good reputation to have, I guess. See, you can't even say anything rude about the rude people because you're so damn nice. That's true. You're like, oh, they must have been having an off day, you know. Oh, I guess that's Irish. So, dude, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for doing Ra's Kitchen. Maybe for the the people who don't know, do you want to give a quick background about what Ra's Kitchen is? And am I saying it correctly? I guess in Jamaica, they call it Ra's Kitchen. I say it wrong too. I always say it Ra's Kitchen. Ra's, Ra's, I don't know. However you say it, it's fine. I'll give you the background of the show. Basically, we are the world's first and best, I usually put in brackets, Roots Rasta cooking show. So it's my friend Moko, who's a Rastafari guy from St. Thomas, Jamaica, the southeast side of the island. And we cook, you know, Caribbean dishes, Jamaican classic stuff, and Ital, which is the sort of Rasta style way of cooking. Dude, that is so cool. How long have you been working on it? Well, I think I originally shot, like had the idea in 2010, because originally I wanted it to be a TV show. So I thought, oh, I'll just go down and shoot something. And then... I guess it's been about nine years. Now, the first seven years, we're probably just working on it here and there. It's really been more full on the last two. But anyway, 
let's take a step back. What is a Rastafarian? Rastas are, I guess, some famous ones that people would know would be like Bob Marley. So it's not really like a religion. It's it's very difficult to explain. It's sort of more of a, a lifestyle thing. And it really varies a lot depending on here who you are. But typically, you know, like if you meet a Rastafarian in Jamaica, they don't cut their hair or beard. They've got the big dreadlocks. They generally smoke a lot of herb. A lot of them are going to be vegetarian or sometimes vegan. Yeah, you know what? I'm not the right one to explain exactly what it is because it's so complicated. But yeah, just picture Bob Marley. You got it right there. This is so wild. So you're just a white dude from Canada. Which province? I'm from Ontario. Are you a Rasta guy? No, no, not at all. Did you taste like a Jamaican dish or something and that's what sparked it? Or like what ended up kind of getting going and and creating a food show around this? I'd say it was more the music because growing up, I really liked dub and reggae and hip hop. And, you know, you'd hear all these little sprinkles of Jamaican Patois and Rasta culture in the sort of background of these songs. I forget how the idea came up. You know what it was? It was that I grew up Jewish and there's a lot of similarities between Rastafari and Judaism, surprisingly. And Ital is almost exactly like kosher. So they eat in that same kind of way. And that's sort of where the idea for the, the cooking show came from. How were you making money at the time before this started? I worked as a freelancer in video, and I've been a door-to-door salesman basically on and off for the last 14 years. What are you selling? I do energy contracts. So if I'm trying to impress someone, I'll say I'm an energy consultant. But the reality is I'm a straight-up door-to-door salesman. Now, luckily, I haven't done that for the last, well, since October, I guess. That's like the longest gap I've had in a long, long, long time. And I'm definitely trying to get away from that. How much do you need to survive per month? I think one thing that I've done or I found helpful for myself is like, all right, well, what's my target? It used to be like around 3500 a month so that I didn't have to have a job. What was it for yourself? I think living in Toronto, you'd want to be, yeah, or I'd say around that same amount, maybe like like 4,000 would probably be good. Like I do some other things to extend that. Like I'll, I'll live in Indonesia the last three, four years during the winter time, like at least usually three months, you know, work from there, work on all the other stuff from there when you're not necessarily getting paid a lot. And it's, I really don't want to be doing door-to-door sales in the winter here. So <laughs> it's like, I'm gone. And there I can live on like a thousand bucks a month and it's awesome when I can surf every day and it's amazing. So I want to highlight that because I think that's one thing that, you know, I'm reading Warren Buffett's book, The Snowball. I don't know if you've read this, but I've been reading it recently. And it reminded me that it's such a valuable thing to keep your cost of living low so that your obligations don't have to be high. And then that really gives you like what you're doing in Indonesia. I think that's really smart that you have the freedom to be like, I can live here and it's really cheap and I don't have to worry about making as much money. I think that's an interesting way of approaching it. It really helped. I mean, it's been straight up part of the financial plan, even now in the last two years when things actually started working. Even with YouTube, I don't know how much you're spending on your channel now. Like, I know you have your channel with a decent size following too, but typically January, February, March, those months after the Christmas season, if you have any type of income from YouTube, that tends to drop huge. Like, it can go to, you know, 30% what you might be making in November, December. So, even this year, although things were going all right, it was still part of the plan to like I went for two months this year and yeah, just fit into that thing really well. Like you're not worried. It's I can rent out my place and then I'm living and I can really work on everything and not have any of the financial stress. So can you break down your finances where it comes in from? 
Like how much does the show make and where else are you making money during the month? If you don't mind sharing? Yeah, the show I won't share exactly, but like it's so different every month, you know, it's like, it's hard to even say, and we've only been making the last couple of years, but I'd say previously about 30 to 50 would be coming from door to door sales. About 30 would be from freelance gigs. Like I still take gigs, whether it's shooting or sometimes I'll work on a show, you know, doing camera or that kind of thing. And then I do some rental properties as well. So I live in Toronto. I have a place here. I live upstairs and I rent out the main and the basement and then the YouTube income. Yeah, depending on the year, those things can swing around. And luckily, the door-to-door part's been shrinking and shrinking. Like I think last week, I only did that for six weeks of the year. This year, I haven't done any, and I'm trying to not do that and focus on the business side here, which is why I'm really stoked to talk to you today. Let's jump right into that. What's the the business goal and, and what can we work on solving today? I spend so much time on the creative that I feel like I'm really neglecting the business side. So I don't have sponsors and you know you hear of these, you know, YouTube influencers or whatever with twenty thousand followers making all kinds of cash. And I'm like, what? I'm not making any of that. Like I basically just have the Google ad money, which can be good some months, but generally you have no idea what you're doing. So I guess my goal is to really beef up our online store. I have a basic Shopify store connected with Printful and that basically we just sell right now, you know, t-shirts and mugs and I guess print on demand merch. So it's really nice because it's on autopilot. I don't have to touch anything, which is perfect because I can only imagine how much trouble that would be if you're trying to get all these t-shirts of different sizes and mail them out yourself, but it's not really generating a lot of income. And I definitely need something to, you know, bring in more income so I can get the show going more. Cause I'm still doing everything, like all the editing, all the color, finding all the music, like it's a one man show and it's just, you can't scale up like that. Right. So what I would like help from is choosing a new product to go ahead with. Cause I think there's a lot of potential. We have a really dedicated audience that really loves the show and i was thinking either a tea or we make these things called calabash bowls in jamaica that rastafarians use a lot to eat out of that people have been asking me for there's natural products like a sea moss i don't know if you've ever seen that they make drinks out of it they sort of melt down this seaweed and it turns into a kind of a gelatinous thing and it's supposed to be really healthy cannabis business i mean obviously it's legal over here now but there's just too many options. I don't know which one to choose or which road to go down or if I should do private label or if I should call another company that's already got products and say, hey, would you do like a you know, Ross Kitchen hot sauce with us or something? So I wanted to get your opinion on that. I think what's interesting about you having content is that you know when I look at Instagram people or YouTube people, kind of like yourself, I'm like, oh, they must be rich. I think we have that assumption like, oh, they put out content and it's not that hard and everyone watches it and then they just get rich off uh, ads. And I think the the two things that, that I want to work with you on, and I do think we can solve in the next 37 minutes, is a goal, right? So what's the actual amount of money you want to be making? And then I think the big thing that, that you're struggling with is consistency, right? Where one of the things you said is, hey, we have this Google money, which every month is kind of all over the place. And how do I have more control in the business? I'd say there's like a 2A, which is how do you then ultimately also spend your time doing the thing that you really want to do with the business, right? Like, what do you want to spend your time doing? And then everything else, how do you either hire or stop doing? Does that sound about right? Yeah, exactly. It's really been the one-man show. And I've done some moves to get some help. Like, I finally, I used to translate all the 
Patois because most people have a hard time understanding it. And even just the subtitles, you know, that was taking me, you know, six hours a week. So I was finally able to outsource that and free up a bit more time. But yeah, exactly. If I could generate some more income, I'd love to get a good editor so I can put out more content. And like, I feel like I could just be doing two or three times as much if I had help, but I'm running into that budget problem. That typical thing where you need help to grow, but you also need money to grow. And until you have the money to grow, you got to do it all on your own. So I've been stuck in that rut for quite a while. So, Dude, I feel you. You know, it's one of my uh, funny quotes that I was telling a friend a few days ago is like the fat bastard quote from Austin Powers. I'm unhappy because I eat and I eat because I'm unhappy. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's the paradox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm small because I don't have help and I'm, I don't have help because I'm small. And so, all right, we can, we can, I hope we can try to come up with some ideas around that. So let's go back. And I think one of the things that, that I always try to remind myself and, and others is what's the goal, you know, of what you want to accomplish. Cause I think when people are like, I need to hire, I need to look, it's like, those are towards some goal or towards some destination. I guess my goal would be to, I mean, is putting out twice as much content too broad as a goal? Like I, I'm just trying to keep it moving here. Like I'm just trying to grow the channel, I guess, is my goal. I'd like, I'd love to be at that million subscriber stage at one point. Let me tell you two things. Number one, every goal should be genuine to what the hell you want. It should never be what Noah wants or what anybody else wants. It's like, what is, what does Matt want? If it's money that Matt wants, then let's make that the goal. If it's like, hey, honestly, I just want to have more people viewing my content. That's the goal. And that's fine. There's not a wrong or right. It just needs to be something that you genuinely care about. And then it should be reasonably attainable. I don't believe that a goal is something that you're going to do anyways. Then it's, it's not a goal. You're already going to do it. Well, I'd say the goal for me then would be for this to sustain me financially, and it never has. So that would be the thing where I can focus on this. And I have another channel too that, I love that. has much less subscribers, but you know, you know, I'm growing that one as well. So it would be to be able to live completely financially free off of this type of work and not just for me. Now, luckily it's already working for him because he's got different costs, but I want to really continue helping him with his business. Like we have an Airbnb because of the channel and now he's just booked solid. So that's been amazing to see, but I'd love to be able to generate more income for him also. So he can, you know, fix up his place nicer. And I'd really love to get his whole family involved in the business because obviously life over there is pretty tough and it's not easy to find good work. And I think through this channel and the Airbnb that it could make a living for all of his whole family too. Dude, I love it. Let's focus on one thing, which is making it sustainable. You know, the more that it's helpful for you, it sounds like he, he benefits every time as well, which is great. Yeah, totally. It all works together for both of us. Yeah. So with the show, what do you need per month for it to be sustainable for yourself? For just myself or for everything together? I guess everything together, I would mean being able to afford hiring people and investing in the show as well. And Don't worry about that. What I'm trying to do is get the foundation there so that we can do those things. Because I think that's where it gets hard because it's like, well, I want to hire and I want to do that. It's like, we'll do that. But we need to understand what do you need personally so that then we could then start adding on that other stuff. I think for me to be comfortable going full on at it, ideally, I'd like to make... 6,000 a month myself. Oh, dude, that's great. It's funny because I can tell you almost feel, do you feel guilty saying that or feel weird saying that out loud? I guess in a sense, it's kind of strange to publicize, well, not strange per se, but 
putting your financial goals out there or what you need to live on. Because there's some people that are going to go, oh, that guy's Pavo. I can't believe he's such a broke ass. Or there's other people that are going to go, what an asshole. I can't believe he needs $6,000 to live. Blah, 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 blah. But no, you're right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just, that's just something that a number that I would like to have to begin with. You're living your own life. And I, I want to just give you props because I, you know, one of the things that you said earlier, and I genuinely, I feel like some people are full of shit. Like, oh yeah, I love helping. And I'm like, no, you don't. You just want to make money. And I don't think there's anything bad with making money and helping. And I, and I truly believe that you do love helping this gentleman that you help with the show and his Airbnb and promoting this food and this, this culture and things like that. And so I do think you're doing a great thing with that. So I give you props. Look, everyone's got their own lifestyles. I think it's always best to have a lower lifestyle so you don't have to worry about making money. But six is, is great. So the first thing I would do if I were you, <laughs> I would write that down. Literally, get a piece of paper now and just write the number 6,000. You need to put that on a piece of paper and tape it to your mirror in your bathroom or, and in your, or next to your computer. So you see that number every single day. So for me, I do yearly goals. It's just, that's how it's been easier for me. I make it on my to-dos to see them every single morning. So I remind myself over and over and over what I'm trying to accomplish. And it has to be something I really want, not what anyone else does. So I think that's a great goal for yourself. If you're at 6,000, and you know, obviously, if that's the goal, we're, we need to understand where we're at now and then kind of plot some type of plan to get there. So what, what are you at currently? Or you know, ballpark range for what you get to do? And I, you don't want to share all, all the financials, but like, you need to know what we're working with. I'm pretty close to that. So I guess what I'm really focused on is the uh, getting the store to something like that. That would be amazing to bumping up the store to that level. So... Well, that's actually interesting. So you're telling me you're already kind of close to there, but it's is it inconsistent with the YouTube ads? Yeah, exactly. And it's really trying to step away from the the door-to-door sales stuff and the stuff I don't want to do. I want to focus on the things I love and the things that really bring long-term benefits. So yeah, maybe we can talk about the store specifically as a goal rather than the whole goal. Because I have so many other things that I do, I'm always able to get by there but uh, i guess my question with that is why are you doing all these other things and how do we get it so that assuming you want it that you're just focusing on the youtube and and the raw's kitchen as a major food show yeah it's been i guess the youtube my income is so inconsistent so that's why i've had to do the other things to keep myself going so but the store itself i think i sent you the financials on that one that one i guess it made about 30,000 gross and because it's print on demand, it's only about 30% of that is profit. So you made about 1K a month from that. Yeah. So I guess that part would be the one I really want to focus on with you. You're asking what you want. I might just give you what you need. And I don't mean that in a mean way. So you're like, let's do the store. Let's do the store. But it's, I maybe don't care about the store. It's not to say that we can't work on the store. But I think the thing I'm trying to understand is how do we put more just consistency into the overall business so that literally 100% of your time is, is on Roz's kitchen. And then you can really focus on growing that. Just to, to break it down is that you want to be at 6K, you have about 1K a month from the store. And then the YouTube channel, it sounds like there's a lot of variability in it. So can you give me some range? I know you don't want to share exact numbers, but what's the range? Yeah, totally. Like one month in the winter, you might make $1,500, mm-hmm. like in those really lean months. And then I think our best month ever was about six. So if we had to average it, what would you say? Just on on a low end, I'd rather be conservative. So like twenty five hundred a month, three thousand. Yeah, maybe three would be around what it works out to. All right, so it looks like we're doing about four k a month. So we need to get you at least two k, if not three k, of consistent revenue. So no matter what month it is, you're not thinking about it. Does that sound about right? That sounds good. 
one question I have on your YouTube channel is how come you don't have the branded subscribe thing on your show? Just on the bottom right, you can have a branded subscribe thing. Most of the biggest shows have it. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of surprised you don't have it. Anyways, you need to add that. I think you could do it in branded content within your YouTube settings. But number one, do that so you can increase your subscribers. With the the ads, you don't really have as much control besides just putting out more content. And even with that, it's still unpredictable. So I guess there's there's a few different options. So with a thousand a month from store, are you emailing out or is that just people clicking through from the videos? Honestly, I've been so lazy at promoting and stuff. It's straight up people just clicking and buying stuff. I love it, dude. That's great. Because we got Instagram too. I do have an email list that I built after you guys recommended that. It's only about 2,000 people, but I do have an email list. Yeah, dude, everything starts somewhere. Don't sweat it. What you're facing is what everyone else is facing is we have so much time available and how the fuck do we prioritize what we do? True. And so you have to figure out how do I do as little work as possible to the biggest results? I think there's a few things that I want to set up on a, on a game plan for you to try to increase the current system and then add some new things to increase consistency in the system. Number one, I don't really see any pop-ups on your Shopify store or on your main store to collect emails. No, I guess not. <laughs> okay, so it's free. Sumo.com is free. I know that's a plug of my product, but it's, I don't know it's free and I like it and I built it for myself, so I, I can recommend it to you and others. So if you have a Shopify store or any online site, I would recommend collecting emails number one. So in Sumo, you're going to go to forms and create a form and then basically just publish it. Like, how have you collected the 2000 emails? I guess I had through Shopify, there was one that collected customers. And then I put a link on, oh, don't even look at this. No, it's terrible. I built this like horrible website on my own probably eight, nine years ago. The RossKitchen.com? Yeah, yeah. Dude. I don't care about ugly, man. I care about effectiveness. Well, it does collect emails, that one, though. I've got some on there for sure. And I have one on the Facebook page, too. So I guess I've linked up some. That's where they're coming from, yeah. All right. So one of the action items is add that YouTube subscribe in the bottom right of your videos. I'll send you... Here's a screenshot of that. Number two, on the Shopify, on your blog, so on rawskitchen.com and on your Shopify store, I want you to turn on the form, the pop-up to collect emails. Pop-up form. Okay, I have it on a page, but it's not... It's like you have to let, click on that specific page before it'll come on. So pop up. No, nah, it should just be on all the time. Exactly. So most Shopify stores, we do a lot of, we have like 5,000 plus. Most of them have less than 2% making a purchase when they visit. Yeah. So 98% of people ain't doing nothing. So that means that they're not ready for it. And you need a way that you can communicate with them consistently. So that's number one. Number two, this is something that most businesses don't do is setting up your autoresponder to just email the people, hey, here's like my favorite products. And you only have to really set up one or two emails. Who are you using? Do you have like MailChimp? I have MailChimp right now. Yeah. Okay. So in MailChimp, set up two emails. Like what's your most popular product? It would be one t-shirt called the Simple T-shirt and then our logo. The Simple. And then the which one? It's our Ross Kitchen logo. Most e-commerceers, what they do is they say, the first thing they email is a discount. So they give like 10% off. They say, hey, if you make a purchase today, here's 10% off to make your first purchase. So I would recommend that. Is that an auto pop-up thing too? You can do it on the, on the Sumo auto pop-up. It's free. So yeah, on Sumo, you could do a coupon and just give away 20% for your first purchase. And then you can have a welcome email that's like, here's 20% off. The second email that you're going to send, and generally what I've noticed is, a, I don't know what they call it. Some mathematician can leave a comment, but basically your curve is going to decrease where the, every time like the open rates are going to go down, the more emails you send to these people. So they're most engaged right in the beginning. So the idea is you want to email them welcome right away. And then within a day or two, all you have to do is have a second email that says, 
the most popular products or the best seller or the most popular item, and you send the, the Ross Kitchen t-shirt, the one that you said is the, the most popular, that's your second email. Here's my, and you could include two products, but I would just say like, hey, here's the most popular product. And just set up the autoresponder. And now 2% are going to buy right away. But now 98%, you know, some of those are going to join your email list. And then automatically, they'll get the discount to make a purchase. And they'll then hopefully see your bestseller product later and then potentially make that purchase. But it, it's now working around the clock and starting creating a little bit more predictability in your business. I'm sorry, I'm kind of ignorant on this stuff. The autoresponder, that is um, within MailChimp or whatever email service you have. So when anyone first signs up for your email list, they just get one the next day. That's how that one works. Yeah, so you could actually do it within Sumo or within any different provider. So within Sumo, you can do a thing on the success tab of your form. You could say add an email. So I'll send you a screenshot of it. So on the success form, you just say send a welcome email that includes a coupon. Gotcha. So my point of doing this is that what I'm trying to do is that you know you're going to have so many views per week so far, and you know I have so many people clicking on these links. And if you can have more people join the mail, your newsletter, and then the revenue comes through that consistently, then that's, uh, oh, this is working. And this is going to add more consistency towards your goal. The thing I try to do a lot of times in these businesses is like, what's already happening that we don't have to do a lot more work that's already working versus like brand new stuff that we don't know. True. Yeah. I feel like I got a lot of people come to the store. I've just been totally neglecting it because I'm busy editing. So that these automated things are exactly what I need to add on there. And even like the missed carts and stuff, I haven't really messed with that either. And I know there's a lot of missed cart or um, abandoned carts. What's been interesting with the banding cards that I've observed is that it makes about less than 10% of the overall email marketing revenue. So what that means is that of other e-commerce businesses, because in the past six months, I've been working with a lot of them, of that, 40% of revenue comes from broadcast emails, which means that you, Matt, send an email saying, hey, here's a new Calabash bowl, or hey, here's a new thing we're trying, I'm going to selling it. And then 40% or so comes from automatic emails, which is your welcome series or your automation. So the welcome series is like, hey, here's 20% off. Second email is, hey, here's my best sellers. There's a lot more complexity that can go on, but I would personally, you don't need to worry about that. So we also have SendFox, but SendFox is another email tool. I don't think you need to switch email tools right now. I think, frankly, you got Sumo, turn on the pop-up, turn on the welcome within Sumo. And then in MailChimp, I would set up an email that's like, hey, here's our best sellers that you can send out after a few days. Actually, you could do it in Sumo too. I'm not trying to make it confusing. I think at the end of the day, you can figure out which one to do. The point though is that have a welcome email instantly, 20% off. Second email a day later is our bestseller. And you do those two things, you at least have something set up that we can then work off of. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have people go to your Patreon or to the kitchen store? Patreon has been interesting because when we first did it, we got a bunch of Patreons joining up and then it's been crickets. And I haven't been promoting a ton of it but it hasn't really been growing that much. And I also, I haven't been putting a lot of time into it. And when I've done videos or special things for Patreon, it doesn't even really get a lot of engagement. So I'm thinking, okay, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this thing if it's not generating. So I guess I would probably want to lean people more towards the store. Exactly. That is the right answer. What most people need to do in their business is say, what do I already have access to that I can use? You have videos that get millions and millions and millions of views. Like I'm looking at scrambled eggs, Rasta style part one. Is that pretty good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm all right. All right. I suck at this stuff. So you have this, this thing, but in your description, your descriptions are kind of inconsistent where you have like, hey, here's my store. Here's Patreon. Here's different things. So I would probably be a little bit more intentional about what things you want to put in the description because that's where you're going to get a lot of clicks. 
And so personally, I think you have to just prioritize those things that you want in what order, right? So is, do you want them to go to Instagram and Facebook? Do you want them to go and support Moco? And just review that. I don't want to tell you which way to do it, but I just think you need to go through your top five to top 10 most popular videos and double check it because in your most recent video that I was, I was watching, you had Patreon like high up there in the description, but it seems like that's not the best use of that real estate. And this is true for a lot of other people. You're not, I'm not trying to call you out, but like on your steamed Kalalo and Okra, you have like the Patreon as the first link, even though you're telling me it doesn't do shit. So it's like, all right, let's get off that. What most people do is they make a test and they don't go back and, and change it. And so my suggestion is you have a lot of videos, so you don't want to go and spend your time doing all of them right now. I would just go for your top 10 most popular ones and fix those to start. Okay. So the same thing in your YouTube like subscriber header, just as an example, you have like Facebook, Instagram, and then you kind of have your Shopify and your site small. But frankly, that's where we should be putting more of the... If you're trying to push people, put it to where you have more control. So right here on the top right. Yeah. The other thing that I'd like to consider to getting you to that 4K number, and generally what I would do is that I would break down the 4K difference or it's around yeah 2 to 4K that we're trying to get for you. And the 2 to 4K, I would literally try to estimate how the hell can we get that so it's a little bit more quantifiable. So what I mean by that, Matt, is that if I need 2K, where is it going to come from so I can feel more confident and I'm not hoping I get it? Meaning that, hey, I want to get $500 or $1,000 more from the store and I want $1,000 more from the videos or I want $1,000 more from something else. We don't have as much time to do that, but that's something I would definitely consider about, all right, if I need 2K, well, can I just get it from the store? Maybe that's one way or maybe there's another way. One thing that I like to do, especially with other businesses, is like my friend Andrew Chen taught me this and I thought it was good. He's like, out of 10 things in businesses, 9 out of 10 have been figured out, so don't reinvent the wheel. And 1 out of 10 have not been figured out, so that's where your advantage is, right? And so for you, you figured out a cooking angle that is very unique and there's almost no one else out there similar to you are doing it, right? Right. We own this one for sure. But who else is like a big cooking show that we can copy how they're monetizing their business and at least do those and, and, and as first experiments versus trying to you know try new things that we're uncertain of? Yeah, great idea. I'm really bad at watching other stuff. Like I barely watch TV, movies. I guess I'll watch skateboarding and surf videos. That's probably the main thing I watch. But yeah, I need to watch sort of my peers. Well, hey, let's just do it now, man. I'm trying to find a popular cooking show and like some of the ways that they monetize. There's one I like. I guess I don't watch it a ton, but it's pretty crazy because he carves up a huge crocodile. It's called Deer Meat for Dinner. Very, very bad name. Horrible name. It's like a couple from Florida and the guys, they do a lot of sort of, I guess they call it catch and cook things, but he's got some pretty crazy videos and I think he's grown a lot. Like, What's it called? It's called Deer Meat for Dinner, like D-E-E-R. It's a horrible name for a channel, but the guys and his wife are really interesting. So, dude, he's got the subscriber thing. I don't know. You got to get the subscriber thing on. Yeah, you know what? It's crazy. You get 100,000 subscribers, you get this, and you get a YouTube manager, but they're not really telling you a whole lot. Like, they're giving you some great tips and that, but like... They ain't doing nothing. They ain't doing nothing, man. That's like the biggest thing that made a difference in my show. And I'm not, I mean, I have not that many subscribers and it's not growing, but you already have a lot of people watching. They just need to... So, I think this is a, a key thing is that in our businesses, we have people's attention. It's like, hey, why don't, can I get your attention in the future? Let's just take an example. This deer meat for dinner. One, he's got the badge in the bottom right. I want to caveat this. I don't mean to just blindly copy everyone else. But what I like to do is just at least be aware of either competitors or people parallel that I can learn from and see if there's anything interesting. A lot of times I get my best ideas from like totally random places like women's magazines or just like offline stores. And so I think it's more, what are others doing that can I can inspire me and I could try out for myself? 
so like this deer meat for dinner guy, a few things that he does that you're not doing. One, it doesn't seem like in some of your most popular videos, you have any links to the products that, that people can purchase themselves, like on Amazon, potentially. That's funny. I was just about to ask you that because, you know, people are always asking about gear and, you know, what camera, what lens, what tripod, what do you travel with? I get those questions. And yeah, I don't have those Amazon links where you get a commission. The transition that most of these businesses go through for content creators, I'll tell you what the, what I've observed is that one year they make content, no one, they don't make any money, no one watches it. Year two, a lot of people started watching it, assuming it's unique and they've stuck with it. And then they started doing some of these simple things like Amazon links and maybe affiliate links. And then they throw up like Printful, which they don't print the shirts, they just use a third party vendor. And then year three to five and beyond is when they start then saying, well, how do I control the revenue completely, which is they either invent their own products or they sell digital courses where they can capture more of the revenue. So we can talk about that a little bit later. I think you have so much low-hanging fruit that you're just not doing. My specific thoughts with you are potentially in a few of your videos, experimenting linking to Amazon products that are related to the video. So here's a seasoning, here is a, the knife, here's a bowl, here's the song, and things that will theoretically keep making money additionally on top of the ad revenue. Now, do you mean doing like a little ad for our own stuff right at the beginning of the video? Type? Just in the description. Gotcha. So in the description, sign up for an Amazon affiliate. And it's not you're making a ton, but you know, you don't need a ton, frankly. You just need $2,000 more. Well, the whole thing is I love this idea of having all these different income streams. I've always worked like that for the last 15 years. So when something starts small, you know, maybe you get 100 bucks a month from Amazon. Like that's still enough for me to buy some gear with. Like it all comes together and grows, right? So I think if we can get some of this stuff set up that you will be probably making more than 2K and then you'll start having more money that you can actually reinvest in the business, hiring more people to help you. Great. And then you'll start realizing, oh shit, if I do two videos a week, that doubles the amount of views, that doubles the amount of my email list, that doubles the amount of my revenue. And maybe I'll even try to get to more videos a week or figure out new channels. My suggestion though, is that you at a highest level, have this clear goal, which is the 6K. You have Roz's Kitchen, which is working. Let's figure out how to make this work better versus spreading yourself. And you have this, this plant that's awesome and it's going to produce money in the future and more money in the future, but you're watering that and all these other plants the side of it. The main plant that potentially has a lot, it seems like it can make a lot more money, is not getting enough water that it needs. And if we just put a little bit more water into that, it has a chance to make a lot more for you and then you don't have to work on these other, these other stuff. Coming back to it, it sounds like we have a few different things. One, add your subscribe button. Two, collect emails. Three, add autoresponder. Four, prioritize your description better. So cut out things, at least in your top videos. Okay. Five, was that five? Six, Amazon affiliate for some of these products. We haven't even gotten to, I know what you originally talked to me about, but that was kind of my point, is that you have all this low-hanging fruit of stuff that you could be doing before. It's like, how do I make my own product so I can do sell stuff in my store? It's like, I think you can, and I think we will, but I think you have a lot of stuff that will work literally today. And by the time we talk in four weeks, you're gonna be like, yo, this shit already is making us an extra 500 more bucks a month. Perfect. No, it's a great place to start. Absolutely. Okay. So you're doing all this different stuff. I think you probably could make more videos, but I think we need to get your revenue up so that you can then have time to make more videos. So you're not worried about making money. Yeah, true. Two other things before we, we get going. Number one, how do you actually spend your week today? If you had to break out a pie chart of your time this week, what does it look like? A lot of my week is going to be spent on the editing part, probably the majority of it. So I'm trying to do two, sometimes three videos a week. So that's going through the raw footage, mapping out the content, 
doing the edits, finding the music, uh, doing the color corrections, fixing the audio, putting it, uploading it, doing the thumbnails, all that stuff. That's the main part. There's uh, a smaller portion. Maybe it only averages out to a couple hours a week these days where I'm doing the engagement thing. So responding to comments and emails and Instagram. Huh, let's do it at a high level. So of the things you're doing this week, what do you think are the most valuable? And of the things you're doing this week, what are the least valuable? In terms of your goal. So let's think about it in terms of that. In terms of goal. Well, the most valuable is actually me getting off the editing content stuff and focusing on this store stuff. And I, I got to kick myself in the ass a bit to like, why haven't I done it yet? Like putting in these Amazon things, putting in a button, like I can probably do all this stuff today, right? So it's going to be really carving out some time to just focus on this business aspect of the show. Let's dive on that just for a moment, because I think this is something that for myself and others were wondering, why haven't you done it? I think there's probably some things you didn't know and some things you kind of knew, but you weren't aware. Some of this you did know, but you just haven't prioritized it. Why not? Yeah, I guess even with the Amazon affiliate, like I saw people doing that and I really wondered, you know, how much were they actually getting from that and why bother? That's one of the reasons for that, just as an example. And the email thing too, I know you guys say it's valuable, but I just haven't really used it as a tool. And the couple times that I have used it as a sales tool, it didn't really work. I didn't really see much benefit from it. So that's why I haven't really been focusing on those couple things. The autoresponder and those things I don't really know too much about. So I'll have to plead ignorance on that one. But I guess I just get caught in that loop of rather than working on my business, I've been working in it. And I've just been putting my head down and doing the, the creative part instead of the other side. I'm doing what's easy, I guess, instead of what, uh, what needs to be done. One of my favorite lines is around, there's a difference between effectiveness and efficiency. And it's more about you're doing a lot of efficient things that are helping keep the business where it's at, but maybe there's things that are more effective to get you to where you want to go. And that's why for myself and our companies and for you, I, I really try to stay focused on what's the goal and then what things could we really do that are the biggest wins that we can easily do to get to that goal so that then you could do the other stuff that you enjoy. Because for me, once you get to 6 or 7K, now you can be like, well, I hate doing this part of the work and it's not that valuable. Let me hire someone else to do it or find some software I can pay for. I'm a pretty good editor and I like it okay, but I definitely don't want to be doing all of it. And you need to pay someone a good amount of money to be good at it. I get hit up by people all the time like, oh, I can edit. I'll do it for this. I'll do it for that. And even the ones that you pay decently are still, in my opinion, doing really bad. So to keep the quality up, I need to, to get someone good. So if I can free my time up like that, I would love to dedicate more time on this business side because I'm very interested in it. I just haven't had the time of day to, to dive into it. What would you tell someone else who's probably listening to this that, that's been like you? Like, hey, get on the show with Noah and that's what, that'll make the difference? Yeah. <laughs> you know, You really need to go all in on these types of endeavors. So if you're going to be on YouTube, you can't put up a video once a week for a month and then do the next one three weeks later. And then, you know, you got to be consistent with this thing. And the payoff comes so late in the game, or at least it does for me anyway. Like you have to just go all in on it and dedicate and do a video a week, no matter what, even if you've only got 10 people watching, like that's the only way that you're going to get ahead. Consistency, I guess, would be the number one thing. Even when no one's watching, you're getting better at what you're doing. You spend a year doing that. You just made 50 or 100 videos. I guarantee you're going to be a hell of a lot better than you were in your first year. So, Well, I think that's a key thing I want to highlight is that you're already ahead of most other people because they do it for a month or three months. They don't get results and then they give up. And you're already past that. 
I think now it's like, all right, let's, you know, you've been gardening and gardening. Let's eat a little bit of your vegetables and then keep planting and, you know, expanding your garden to keep producing more vegetables and better things. Mm, vegetables. Yeah. Mm, vegetarian. So we've gone over a lot of a lot of different things. The only thing that I would say that you brought up that we can experiment with is you said, hey, there's these products that I think people might be interested in that I could either partner with or white label or so forth. My thought would be, how can you test that to see if your audience actually is interested in it or not, or what they would actually be really excited to buy from you guys? I have a suggestion, but I'm, I'm hoping that you can think of you know, a suggestion for yourself. Well, I've done a little bit of experimenting with that. In, you know, we put out these episodes like the Irish Moss, CMOS episode. I'll get a whole bunch of emails or messages being like, yo, where do I buy the CMOS in the store? So it's already, you know, there's already people looking, which is an awesome sign. Like I've definitely followed your advice in that sense, which is wait till people are, or not wait, but you know, you want something to be proven before you put in all the work to get it. Um, in the video that I put up the other day, what was it? The Callaloo and Okra one. Moko's funny. He's always uses this kind of Maggie brand seasoning on a lot of dishes. And in the show, I mentioned, oh man, just talking with him, we need to put some like Ross Kitchen brand seasoning in the store. That'd be wicked. And then I think the number one comment on that video, which got a couple hundred likes on it was, I would totally buy that seasoning, you know? So to me, that's a great sign of, okay, well maybe the seasoning one, that's the good one to, to go for. There's two things. What I've learned or observed, not learned, but observed is that all the times people told me they give me money, most of the times they don't. I can't tell you how many times in, in my career that's happened. And so I think there's two separate things that I'd like to, that I'd recommend to you. It's much easier once you have the money to deliver the product. And I'm going to say that again, because I think that's something I have to, I'm saying for myself more than I'm also saying for you, Matt, it's much easier to deliver the product once you have the money. Do you feel me? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Can you expand on that a bit for me and just... Yeah. So for example, when I've wanted to do different businesses, like I'm doing a sumo charity ride called sumoride.com. It's much easier now that I have 50 people subscribed to the race to make sure I can go do the race. It's much easier once I've already collected the money to do something to then create that thing than to create the thing and hopefully see if I can get those 50 people to join me on the race. Yeah, yeah. So my suggestion for you is two separate things. Number one, there are products in Amazon that are already Jamaican or Raw's related food show. So I just Googled on Amazon. I just Googled Amazon. I searched on Amazon for Calabash Bowl. Yeah. I'd say part one, you could send an email in a week that's like, hey, here's a cool bowl that we love from the show. Uh, a lot of you guys have been asking for it. You can grab it here on Amazon and you could put your affiliate link and see if anyone actually buys it and it makes a difference. You could do that in 10 minutes and find out if that's something that maybe you want to invest more in, or maybe you just link them to Amazon. So that's part one. So I think what I'd recommend is do the low-hanging fruit stuff like that to start. The second thing that I would do, and I think you could do this in four weeks, is that literally add a PayPal link or email out. And that's why I think email is so important because it's kind of a... Like today, I literally emailed out about Sumo Ride and I said, hey, we have a few spots left. Does anyone want it? And during the show, like the email went out and now I'm already seeing people like sign up for Sumo Ride, which is awesome. But it's because I'm, I have a, the privilege and permission to contact these people that listen to the show and you know are on the dork mailing list. So the second thing I would recommend is that find something that maybe is not available on Amazon and is related to maybe something popular that people have been asking you for. Like maybe it's a seasoning, maybe it's a, an item, maybe it's a bowl, maybe it's a recipe. And personally, what I would do is I would email out and say, hey, I'm going to be making this. I'm taking 10 pre-orders. Please send me a PayPal of $10. You know, Do a light budget, but say pre-order it here and just send me the money. Now, there's two things that are happening. Either no one gives you shit, which means that, great, you didn't waste time doing it. Or 
overwhelmingly amount of people do it. And then you just deliver on the product and you find out how to manufacture it and get it able to send to them in a you know simple way. I'll give you an example of this. I put out a tweet about a book I was starting, which was like, I was interviewing all these rich people about what they do with their money. And I was like, hey, I have these, this book and these notes. Does anyone want it? And like a thousand people commented they wanted it. And I've never had anyone respond so much to a thing. So I was like, okay, there's something here with this. Then from there, I was like, well, let's see if they actually buy it. So I hit up and I said, well, I want five people to pay me at least 25 bucks for the book. So I hit up five people from it and I said, give me money. And if you do, I'll give you the book. And the thing here is a lot of people are like, well, no, you don't have the book ready. You don't. I tell them, hey, I'm going to put the book together and finish it for you. So that it's more about the expectation. And so a bunch of people then paid the five. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do the book now. I know people are going to want it. And they've actually said it with their money. They've spoken it. So then I went and did the book. And then it took me a few more months and I delivered it to them and I gave them beta stuff and all this stuff. And then I finally sent it to the rest of the people. And it actually did end up doing pretty well. So my point, though, is that on the, the last piece, which is the harder one, you can pre-sell one of these items that you're considering. And from there, if it actually is desired, make it. If it's not desired, then you can try something else. But ultimately, where a lot of these content creators go is, how do I go to businesses where I have higher margin and total control? And the content is a way of collecting customers, frankly, or followers, fans, whatever you want to call them, and being able to f- collect them in an affordable way and direct them to these types of products. The ad model, as I think as you've observed, is very inconsistent and there's no controllable. Yeah, there's no control. You just, and you don't even, you can't even see. You can't even tell if YouTube screen you're not. (laughs) You have no way of knowing, right? It's crazy. That's why you look at patterns. And the pattern that I've observed is that most people like yourself that are content creators do this pretty standard. One year, don't make money. Year two, affiliate links in Amazon. Year three, they kind of have some more products. And year four or five is more they're starting to have more exclusive things that are either digital courses that they have that are just theirs, communities and or uh, physical products that they have total control ship and that YouTube and Instagram is a way of directing people to go buy it from the organic traffic that you're getting for free. And I love that idea of collecting first, because that also puts pressure on you to complete the thing that you promised and sort of gives you a time limit on, oh, I've already taken the money, I better get this thing done rather than this. Hell yeah. Well, maybe someday I'll do this and I'll get money from it, blah, blah, blah. Dude, it puts a lot of pressure on you. But I, and I think the key thing is being straightforward with it, not being like, give me your money and hopefully some shit will come like Kickstarter. I think it's like, hey, I'm working on it. If they give you the money, be like, hey, just tell those people because there's probably not many of them. Here's where I'm at with it. When I first started the show, I started a caffeine gum because I was like, oh, I want to make a product. Nice. And I actually hired someone, I made it, and then I, and it sold it. And then after that, I was like, I don't really want to work on gum for the next like six months. It's, you know, I don't know, however long. But the point was, it was like, sell this stuff. Then I found a chef who made it. And then you can decide if that's something you want to continue or not. Wow, what a career gum chef. No, no, it was a chef who I hired to help oh, okay. make the gum. I thought he was like a specific gum guy. Like, whoa. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a lab that does it. Let's come back and summarize. So I think the, the, some of the key things, Matt, it's been awesome talking with you. I love that you're supporting Moco and Raw's Kitchen on YouTube and what you're about. And I, I want you to get out of being an energy consultant. Me too. <laughs> So let's summarize some of the, the key things that you're going to be doing from now and in, in the next four weeks. Why don't, why don't you summarize for the audience so that they can be reminded, oh, shit, okay, cool. If I want to be a content creator, here's some things I want to be thinking about. Okay, next step. So I want to figure out this magic button that I didn't know about that no one told me about. <laughs> so far, the subscribe button. I want to look at some popular, maybe food-related uh, YouTubers and see how they're setting up their info and links below to see how I can change mine up. I got to change up my top viewing videos and prioritize what links I'm going to put there probably with the store. Uh, I want to get the Shopify store with a pop-up form so I can collect more emails on that. I got to sign up the Amazon affiliates and get those links for the products that I'm using. Autoresponders, I got to learn that because that's something completely new for me. 
And one that I really do want to test right away is that PayPal link pre-order thing, because I have a friend of mine who's in the cacao chocolate business, and she's from Mexico, and she has these amazing bowls. They're actually made of calabash as well, where she gets them hand carved by these amazing artists and they cost her very little and she sells them in her store here for like 30 bucks. So I was thinking about doing a surf trip to Mexico, picking up some calabash bowls. So that would be a perfect one to do a pre-order on like, Hey, I'm picking up a hundred. If you want one, PayPal me, blah, blah, blah. It's a good excuse to go on this trip and I'll get a little vacation and a surf and uh, test a business idea at the same time. I love it, man. I think the the last thing that we talked about was your clear goal that you want just in different places that you want to see. Yes. I think that's number one. Write your 6,000, put it everywhere so that you see it, so that you make sure that you see it all the time. I think in terms of the things I just want to summarize, I thought those were really good. I think number one, collect emails. We talked about that. Number two, get your subscriber button there on the bottom right of your video. Number three, update your description text. Because basically, I think for other people, it's like you have all this audience somewhere. How do you focus them on, you know, if they're already there, like what things do you want them to do? Because think of it as very valuable real estate. So get rid of Patreon, promote your your site higher there, promote potentially Amazon links to products that they can buy. Number four, I think, or five or six, I don't know what number one, send some of the items that we've talked about to your list. And then I think ultimately the last one, which is uh, the harder one, so that's why I'm recommending it last, is do a pre-order of items that you're thinking of private labeling that are not easy for people to find. Sending the items I like, that would be a really interesting test of the Amazon Amazon links or products that they would like. Because yeah, I've had liter- literally people being like, yo, send me CMOS. Like, hey, man, I don't have CMOS. I haven't even really looked into where to get CMOS. But yeah, I mean, there's probably a CMOS place on Amazon that I could have literally sent a little thing where I get a small commission. I guess with the Amazon thing, though, too, is it seems like electronic products have the, the decent markup. Everything else is pretty tiny. Eh, don't sweat that stuff, man. Just sweat getting this stuff going. I think that's where you're you're off, which is like just getting the ball rolling and the momentum. Mm. And then after the momentum is rolling, you can start doing, you know, start being more creative. About like, all right, now I'm going to private label this or I'm going to try to find it directly or whatever the hell you're trying to do. Oh, amazing. I got lots to do today. <laughs> Dude, I'm pumped for you. I love your attitude. I love what you're doing. I look forward to checking back with you in four weeks and uh, hearing about the results, man. Awesome. Thanks so much, Noah. I really appreciate it, man. That's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you did, go check out Raz Kitchen. That's R-A-S Kitchen on YouTube. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's cook some jerk chicken together. And before you go, let me know what you thought of the episode by emailing podcast at okdork.com. I check most of your emails. Also, remember to email me, shopify at okdork.com, if you or a friend have a Shopify store. The new tool is doubling people's email marketing revenue. I want to do that for you guys. Get on as an early beta tester. Holler at me, Shopify at okdork.com. And final special thanks. You know who it is, Jason at podcasttech.com. As always, thank you for doing everything on these podcasts. And thank you to Sean, David, and Dean of the Dork Team. And a special shout out to my boy, Eric Fernandez at Sumo this week. Just wanted to let you know you're the man. And congrats on the new place. What's your favorite country to visit? <laughs>